The Bible says to encourage one another and build one another up. That is why this podcast exists. Welcome to Real Life with Lynn, where you will find stories about applying scripture to life, whether it's over something big, small, or something in the gray area. I hope you will join me on the journey, find some encouragement in Jesus, and share it with someone you know. Hello, and welcome to episode five of Real Life with Lynn, and I am your host, Lynn. (laughs) I hope you're having a great day so far. It has been a couple of months since I've posted a new episode, and here's the reason why. I went and bought a house. So I've been a little busy trying to do all the paperwork, moving into this house, moving out of the apartment I was in, getting everything set up and ready to record. So here I am, and I am ready to get back into it and continue posting weekly episodes. The topic for this week is addressing the question, what's the right thing to do? Examples of times where this question will come up are in seasons of transition. So for me, what major do I study? Where do I study? Where do I live? How do I pay for it? How do scholarships pay for it? All of these questions that we come up in the background of all these questions that we're asking ourselves in different seasons of life and sometimes on a daily basis is the question, what's the right thing to do? Oftentimes there are people that fall into two different camps. The first camp is, well, scripture tells you what to do. Read scripture. Look at the Ten Commandments. Look at what Jesus says in the red letters in your Bible. Scripture will tell you the right thing to do. There's another camp that says, well, yeah, scripture is important. Don't get me wrong, but you need to spend more time in prayer and the Holy Spirit will tell you what to do and fill in the blanks where the Bible doesn't. So there's kind of these two different schools of thought. And what I submit to us is that both are true. Scripture is important. Scripture does give us directives, gives us commands to follow and to answer the question, what's the right thing to do in this moment? However, Scripture working in tandem with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit using Scripture to come alive to us in our hearts where the Holy Spirit dwells, these things work together in unison to guide us, to shape us, to mold us, to teach us, to sometimes discipline us. This is how God interacts with us. Because remember, Jesus does tell us before he leaves earth, (laughs) before he dies, he tells us that his father will send a helper, the Holy Spirit, to guide you and teach you all the things that I've been teaching you now. The Holy Spirit will come to you. So the question of what's the right thing to do here in this moment or here in this situation is an important one. It's one that we ask often. Let's talk about and dive deeper into what Christianity tells us. We have been taught that part of the Bible's purpose in our lives is to provide guidelines, dare I say boundaries, in our decision-making process. It teaches us how to live. It gives us directives from God, and it gives us general principles that are good to live by. And we also admit as Christians, no matter what denomination we sit in, that the Holy Spirit does play a role in it. I have a particular story that I would like to share with you. This story is one that has a lot of intricacies to it. There's a lot of background knowledge that you might need to know, so I will do my best to summarize those things. In the life of Jesus, he encountered these people called the Pharisees. What are Pharisees? Well, as we search scripture and as we read it, we come to understand that the Pharisees are the church leaders of the day. They are the people who have extensively studied scripture, 
who have taught it, who have memorized it. Now, in the days of Jesus, what did they have available as scripture? The first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Isaiah, potentially the Psalms were most readily available to them at this point in the life of Jesus in that time in Luke chapter six, which is where we're going to be, by the way. And so in the time of Jesus, these Pharisees, they memorized the books of the law. They memorized the book of Isaiah, talking about the coming Messiah. And the Pharisees kind of became the law-abiding citizens of the Jewish faith. They were enforcing the law. They were living the law. And there's a particular law in the Old Testament surrounding what's called the Sabbath. It is a day of rest. It's six days of work and one day of rest following the example of God in Genesis, where he created everything in six days and then he rested. There was a specific law in Leviticus 23 that spelled out what that meant. And in Luke chapter six, Jesus was encountering the Pharisees. So I would like to just read this instance to you and then kind of overall try to take a general summarized view of it, um, which is going to be really hard to do. (laughs) Okay, so Luke chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 1, and I'm going to read all the way down to verse 11 for context, and we'll focus on a few things here and there. Now remember, for whatever I'm going to be discussing here, there's a lot more study to be done of this topic. There's a lot more study to be done of these 11 verses. I am not a pastor. I am not a preacher. I will not dive so deep that we can't get out of it, but This is a story that is worth sharing and has a lot to do with this question of what's the right thing to do. So here we go, starting in verse one. Now it happened that Jesus was passing through some grain fields on a Sabbath, and his disciples were picking the heads of grain and rubbing them in their hands and eating them. But some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus answering them said, Have you not even read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests alone, and gave it to his companions? And he was saying to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. Now the scribes and the Pharisees were watching him closely to see if he healed on the Sabbath, so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew what they were thinking, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Get up and come forward. And he got up and came forward. And Jesus said to them, verse 9, I ask you whether it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do harm, to save a life or to destroy it. And after looking around at them all, he said to him, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. But they, the Pharisees and scribes themselves, were filled with senseless rage and began discussing together what they might do to Jesus. So what's the story here? Well, this is fairly early on in the life of Jesus. Jesus has been known to heal people from time to time, and he's kind of in the midst of gathering up his disciples and getting ready to begin taking on those 12 companions along the ride. And so here we are, Jesus and his disciples are passing through some grain fields. Now, if you've never seen grain, it's like the the light brown stuff that sticks up and you can pull the grain heads off and actually eat those off the top. If I'm saying all that correctly, I hope so. If not, I apologize. Google grain fields if you really want to see a picture because I don't know how to paint a good one. Anyway, they were passing through grain fields. 
Oftentimes, Jesus and his disciples, they walked on foot from town to town, healing, preaching, teaching, being with each other, being with the people. And in this particular instance, the disciples got hungry and they picked heads of grain out of the field and began rubbing it in their hands and eating it as they were walking. They were getting a little hungry, wanted a little snack. It's almost like reaching in a Ziploc bag of Chex Mix in our day and age or eating just some trail mix and tossing it in your mouth as you're walking on the street. And the Pharisees. Now, remember who the Pharisees are. The Pharisees are the law-abiding Christians of the land. They are the religious people. They look and say, why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? How often do we in our Christian lives look at the lives of other people and we see them make a decision that doesn't seem like the right thing? And instead of asking what's going on in their life, or instead of remembering that each person has their own choices to make, we look at their lives and we say, why are they doing what is not right? Why are they not doing what's right in the eyes of God? How dare they make this decision? We more often than not are very similar to the Pharisees in our approach to the subject of the right thing to do and making choices. And they were coming for Jesus and the disciples. Jesus answers them by asking them to consider a particular instance in the Old Testament with David. If you know anything about King David in scripture from back in the day, back in 1 Samuel in the early Old Testament, you know that he had a tough go of it, especially before he became king. The king at the time, Saul, hated David. After loving him and taking him and treating him like a son, he was filled with rage against David because he realized that David was going to be the next king. He didn't like it. Saul did not like it. So Saul, more often than not, sought to kill David and was chasing after him and had other people chasing him. And so this instance that Jesus is referring to happened in 1 Samuel 21. Feel free to look that up at some point and read it because it's an interesting story. But this instance of David is referring to a specific time in David's life when Jonathan had just helped David kind of get out from under get away from Saul a little bit. So David and some companions are, I don't know if they're on the run at this point, but they are kind of trying to get away from Saul. They're trying to make sure they're far away. And they're on this long journey and they come across a temple and they're tired from their journey and they're hungry. And the only thing the priest had for them to eat was what's called consecrated bread, only allowed for the priests to eat. Now for, for us to try to understand this, this would be the equivalent of somebody on a long journey walking, coming into a modern day church during the Lord's Supper and asking us to eat some of the wafers or bread that we break as we are doing the Lord's Supper. Now, if you can think about how odd that might look to you, that's about how odd this seemed to the priest. And yet, David asked for the special bread. Now, David knew that that bread was meant merely for the priests on this particular day, but there was nothing else for him and his companions to eat. And David asked for that. The priest gave it and David ate it. David actually partook of this bread. Now, again, this is challenging the laws of the Pharisees because the Pharisees knew how appalling this was. The Pharisees, I think, understood it more than you and I could because they they were just taken aback by this. This was nearly offensive to them. And Jesus asks them to consider that. He challenges it. 
And then he puts himself, the son of man, a term only ascribed to the coming Messiah in the Old Testament. Remember that. So Jesus asserts his identity as the son of man, meaning the Messiah. And then he reminds them that he's in charge. (laughs) He not only tells them that they're kind of wrong for what they're thinking. He not only challenges their thought process, but then he asserts his authority. And the Pharisees did not like it. And that is demonstrated later on in the next few verses. So that's one Sabbath day. And then the scriptures say on another Sabbath. So probably the next week or two or somewhere down the line, Jesus entered a synagogue and he was teaching. So Jesus went to a local church to preach, basically. And he saw a man in the synagogue, in the temple, whose hand was withered. Now, that might be hard for some of us to understand, but think about it if you have such bad arthritis that your hand kind of curls and you can't uncurl it, that's kind of what it would look like. It would look gnarly, for lack of a better word. This man with a withered hand was in the temple listening to Jesus speak, and the scribes and Pharisees were also there. And you know what verse 7 says? They were watching him closely to see if he would heal somebody on the Sabbath. And they, so they might find a reason to accuse him of something. The prior interaction with Jesus wasn't enough of a situation to where they could outright accuse Jesus of something. So then they were watching him closely to see if he would do something that they could actually accuse him of doing wrong. And wouldn't you know it, verse eight, (laughs) Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he said to the man with the withered hand, get up and come forward. And then he did. And Jesus asks this question. I ask you whether it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do harm, to save a life or to destroy it. And after Jesus looked around at them all, he said to them, to this man, stretch out your hand. And he did so and his hand was restored. Now, that's the point of the story where all the applause and the screaming and the cheering should be happening, right? That's the point in the story that you would think, oh, wow. He healed his hand. Praise be to God on high that he did this. You would think that that would be the reaction, but not to these particular religious leaders who were so caught up in the religion of it all and in the missteps that Jesus took from the law that they missed the heart of what Jesus was saying to them. So the very next verse says they, the Pharisees and scribes, were filled with senseless rage and began discussing together what they might do to Jesus. Now think about this. What are the terms that describe the Pharisees? Senseless rage. Senseless rage. How often in our existence and in our lives are we doing what the Pharisees are doing? I have found myself in the place of the Pharisees, so I'm not speaking at you as if I've never been there. I have been a Pharisee through and through sometimes. In my natural state Without the grace of God, I am a Pharisee. I am a religious person who likes to follow the rules and do the right thing. And yet, this story here shows us that sometimes the right thing is not necessarily the right thing. And I know to some that's going to sound funny or it's going to sound like I'm saying to disobey commands of God. No, not at all. Jesus lived a perfect life and he didn't obey the certain laws around the Old Testament. Why? How is it that Jesus didn't sin when he lived on earth and yet this happens where he went against the law of his father that his father put in place for the holy days? 
Well, think about the people that were in those situations. The first one was the disciples that were hungry and traveling. They just picked off grain heads and ate them. The Pharisees made it seem like it was World War I. <laughs> but Jesus reminded them that if someone is hungry, you should feed them, whether it's the Sabbath or not. And then the second instance of the man with a withered hand, a fellow churchgoer, somebody that these Pharisees probably knew, walked around with a withered hand. What did the Pharisees do to help him? The Pharisees likely enforced the law. And oftentimes in those days, <laughs> people that had any form of disability or they were withered were not looked at as part of society. They were on the outside. In this culture, even women were on the outside and the Pharisees were a part of that, but they were calling it following God, doing God's will, doing the right thing. And the Pharisees firmly believed they were doing the right thing. How often do we, me and you, get so caught up in the Ten Commandments and get so caught up in the fruits of the Spirit and get so caught up in the letter of the law that we forget the spirit of the law? How often do we spend some time judging people for making choices that we wouldn't make, not knowing why they made them? Now, why is it that what the Pharisees were doing was against God? Why is it that Jesus was at odds with the Pharisees? It was over this question, what's the right thing to do here? Jesus asks them if it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do harm, to save a life or destroy it. That's the question I'd pose to you. Whatever situation you're in, whatever choices you're thinking about making, ask yourself, am I doing good or am I doing harm? Weigh the options. Am I saving life or am I destroying it? Am I approaching this with the heart of the at the heart of the matter in the in the spirit of the law or am i approaching this by the letter of the law challenge yourself challenge the choices you're thinking about even other people that you're close to if they're considering a choice there is a way to lovingly challenge people because that's what i do on this podcast <laughs> each episode is an encouragement and a loving challenge to myself and to you to ask these questions of between you and god and see what God would say to you. Because I imagine that all of our stories are different. We've all been through different things. We all are going to go through different things. And we all are going to experience certain aspects of God's character more than others throughout our lives. Based on where we're at and who we are. That's, that's reality. But the God that we look to, he's the same. He's the same God that is here in Luke chapter six, <laughs> it's the same God that says, I will heal your hand on the Sabbath. Even if it means I am defying a law, the spirit of it is you're healing someone. You're healing a man. The same Jesus that lets his disciples eat grain heads on a day that legally they're not supposed to is the same Jesus that says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Same Jesus that calls us higher, <laughs> calls us to the fruits of the Spirit, calls us to the Ten Commandments. He picks us up and puts us there. He doesn't leave us to fend for ourselves. He doesn't leave us helpless or hopeless. He picks us up in his hand and he carries us up to the standard he calls us to. So what's our job? What are we supposed to do with that? Well, our role in that, to put all of our faith and trust in him, to trust that in his hand and by his grace in faith that we can strive for meeting his standard. 
Will we ever perfectly meet his standard on earth? No, but the point is to continue striving, continue pressing forward. And during the holiday season, I know that for different reasons for many people, the holiday season can be challenging. It can be tough. It can be full of reminders of grief and sorrow. You may be wondering what's the right thing to do. Who are the right people for me to hang out with? Do I go to my parents? Do I go to my in-laws? Do I, what do I do with Christmas Eve? What do I do with Christmas Day? What do I do with the week in between? If, if I have time off, what do I do with it? And during this season, there's pressure and pulling in all different directions. And I just challenge you in the midst of all that chaos, ask God what he would have you do and then go and do it. Ask God what the right thing for you is. Pray. Seek scriptural principles <laughs> and even directives, and, and God will tell you and show you what the right thing for you is. I hope that this has nudged you into this question, and I hope that you'll continue to explore it because it's a worthy question to ask. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. This podcast might be a little longer than normal, but I, I am making up for a couple of months, so don't mind me if this is a little lengthy, but... I just encourage you um, that God is there. God loves you and he cares about you. And if you want to know any more about that, feel free to reach out to somebody you know that's a Christian, reach out to church leadership, or even reach out to me if you want. I'm more than happy to listen and discuss things with you. I, I hope that you have a blessed day and a wonderful Merry Christmas to you. Thank you for listening. I truly hope you were able to find a nugget of encouragement or wisdom for your life today. I would love to hear what God is teaching you. You can connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, or the website. Don't forget, share what you learned today with someone you know. And also be encouraged. You're not alone on this crazy, curvy, and sometimes bumpy road I like to call real life. <laughs>